What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Get Geek Podcast, and today we're going to be talking about House of X and Powers of Ten. Um, it's been a long time coming. All of us have read this comic book except for one of us in yep. its entirety. So you're going to get spoiled a little bit today. And by the way, spoilers, 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 spoilers. But before we get to that, let's do our introductions. I'm Jose. I'm Wolfie. AJ. Walt. Me. Elias. What's Gucci fam? Ew. Hey, you're the one that came up with that, okay? Well, you didn't no, come up with it, no, but you you brought it up several times. Oh, uh, not several? Can, yeah. can we just... Now, now he's, it, he's claiming innocence. But anyways, like I said, we're here to talk about House of X, Powers of Ten, um, the comic that basically rebooted the X-Men um, in, the, in the Marvel Comics universe. And we're going to talk about those, the, the issues individually with some details. We're going to have some analysis. And at the end of these episodes, we're going to go into a little bit of what we think this means for the future of Marvel Comics and the MCU. So why don't we get started, guys? Where do, where do we want to begin? So, um, so I'm going to take a little bit of the lead on this one, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to mm -hmm. review, um, going to do this in a few sections today. We're going to do uh, House of X 1, Powers of 10 1, House of X 2, Powers of 10 2, Powers of 10 3, and finish off with House of X 3. Now, the reason that we uh, are going to go in that order is because that's the reading order that you're supposed to see this, yeah. read this. So... <clears throat> Uh, the way that this was launched is two separate miniseries that are six issues each, uh, but they intertwine with each other, which is important to the uh, uh, telling of the story, just because there are certain big, major reveals and key moments that happen in, in one comic that's going to affect how you read and understand the other. Um, and so uh, we'll get started right away. Uh, the uh, House of X and Powers of X line there, House of X is uh, written by Jonathan Hickman and uh, penciler Pepe Larraz. He's the inker as well. Letterer Clayton Cowles. Colorist Marte Garcia, which is kind of cool. Someone has my last name as their first name. <laughs> With editors Jordan White and Annalise Bisa. And Powers of Ten, also written by Jonathan Hickman. Uh, penciler R.B. Silva, as well as the inker, as well as Adriana Di Benedetto. Uh, sounds like a mob name. Hey! Uh, <laughs> Freaking um, Clayton Cowles is the letterer, as well as Marte Garcia, also the colorist. So, uh, House of X, we're going to start with House of X 1, um, the house that Xavier built. Uh, Xavier is, uh, and well, actually, before we get started, just a little bit of a backstory on this whole thing, right? Like, they've decided to uh, give X Men and the entire X universe. Uh, to Jonathan Hickman to kind of redesign, and it's not so much a uh, a, a reboot right. as more it's a relaunch, right? Because they're not they're not doing new origin stories or anything like that. They're just they canceled all the uh, X Men lines that were out. Um, gave us a few months before launching the uh, Dawn of X series, which is all the new X Men comic books that are that came out in Octoberish around there. Well, Somewhere at the end of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, which was prefaced with uh, prefaced with uh, these two series to launch the whole Dawn of X series. <coughs> um, so yeah, so we're gonna start again with uh, that first House of X, which is the the house that Xavier built, and um, 
essentially you start with uh, Xavier who goes by X, I believe. I mean, that's kind of his code name. Uh, he's not really Professor X anymore. He's just X. Uh, he is uh, walking, which is uh, uh, for some of you guys that have kind of strayed <laughs> away from like uh, comic books for a while. Um, his mind has been transported to, let me just look this up, to, to Phantom X's mind, body. Um, and he's wearing a Cerebro helmet. And it's, it's weird because he's always wearing this helmet. So uh, there's been like some speculation as, as far as like, you know, what he looks like and stuff like that that will kind of come into play later on. Um, but it starts with um, uh, this beautiful, very colorful, uh, simple looking panel with uh, Xavier uh, looking at some cocoons and some people hatching out of the cocoons, these amber like cocoons. And he says, To me, my X Men. That's a super a, awesome line. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, it's, you know, his line that he's always said. But my thing is that he's a little bit different when he says that he looks very coy and, you know, maybe a little bit sinister he underneath looks, his smile and stuff. He looks like um, like Mr. Fantastic from, uh, from the yeah, Secret not, Wars yeah. comics. With that crazy helmet he has on. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. He does. With, um, uh, with the from the Council of Reeds, I think that the, he was kind right. of like based on that. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and from there, that's kind of like the opening scene, and then we see a kind of a montage scene, the panels of uh, various different X Men all over the world picking and planting flowers. Uh, these very specific purple-looking flowers, which we have no idea what they are as of yet. Um, and we fast forward to uh, Magneto, who's meeting a batch of ambassadors from all over the world, because at the moment uh, Magneto has is representing Krakoa, which is the new mutant state, mm -hmm. right? And in this new mutant state, what he's aiming to get is am um, amnesty for all mutants worldwide, uh, in exchange for these flower these flowers that happen to give powers. Um, each of the flowers have different kind of powers, uh, different, uh, not powers, so to speak, but like cures, cures for humanity. It gives, it gives the human species longevity. Um, it cures diseases such as cancers and so on and so forth. So majority, they're kind of, seems like yeah, the majority of all, like, it, it's, it's all based on giving, like, humanity an extension on their life, right? Because they believe that the inevitability is that there will no longer be the human race and everything is just going to be... Uh, everyone's going to be mutants, essentially. So they're kind of like biding and waiting their time. Um, and from here, okay, you have... Oh, one second. There I got to go. say, I, I feel like I have to go back and read the comics so you can read all the little interludes and like information in between right, there's to gonna, find out some more. Especially the first there, one. There's a lot of like detail-heavy stuff, especially when you haven't read them in a while. Um but essentially, I feel like two thirds of that first comic is like not even comic. It's like background stuff, which is really cool. But it's interesting, like how much how much reading is. Because I looked when I first read it, I like saw how many pages it was. I'm like, Lord, this is the, like one of the longest graphic novels ever. And then like you go through it relatively quickly and you realize that the rest of it is just to explain a little bit more about. The right. World. Right. So then. So what these flowers do, the other thing about the, the Sorry, the the thing. One of the things about the island of Krakow, which is now the new mutant station, uh, the mutant, the new mutant nation, uh, is uh, that Krakow also allows 
um, people, like mutants to be able to teleport anywhere around the world, which is where what they're doing with these flowers. Wherever they plant the flowers, that's where they use the flowers to to be able to teleport to these places. And one of the places that we're drawn to is the what they call the Jerusalem ha- habitat, which is where these ambassadors are meeting uh, Magneto after receiving a telepathic worldwide message uh, to all of civilization declaring themselves as an independent state. Mm -hmm. Uh, From there, we go to Jean Grey, who's leading a mutant residence uh, from the X-Mansion to Krakoa. Um, And, you know, we get a little bit more, you know, details on, like, what life on uh, Krakoa looks like. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of world building going on here. Um, and after that, we one thing that happens in these books, which is really cool, is kind of the the page breaks that Hickman gives us, right? So whenever he's going to change from essentially one whole scene or storyline, he gives us a inform informative page break, mm-hmm. gives us a little bit of information that also helps yep. towards world building, but it also kind of gives us the ability to like transport ourselves to a completely new unrelated scene, which is what happens here because now we go near the sun where. Um, spacecrafts are approaching a station known as the forge the home base of a human group called orcas orcas is a self-proclaimed last hope for uh, for humanity made up of various members of human organizations such as aim shield hydra alpha fly and others that are all looking to prevent the extension of uh, the extinction of homo sapiens at all cost um Meanwhile, at the same time, we have a team made up of uh, Mystique, Sabretooth, and Toad that are infiltrating a base, a uh, base of damage control, as we're told, uh, looking for information on the database. We don't know exactly what they're looking for, but they end up, but Sabretooth ends up getting captured by uh, uh, the Fantastic Four while uh, Mystique and Toad um, escape, which is going to come into play later on. Mm-hmm. 100%. With yeah. the information that was stolen. Yeah. With the information that's stolen. Again, we don't know what the information is as of yet. Many saber-tooths died for this information. You know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and so one of the cool things here is, uh, you know, in this, like, little scene where saber-tooth gets captured, you have uh, a pretty cool interaction between Cyclops and the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where Cyclops, seeing and hearing that saber-tooth has been uh, captured, he comes essentially to Sabretooth's uh, rescue, but not as Cyclops the hero, but as Cyclops the ambassador of the Krakoan nation. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Right? So he's like, you know, again, they have, like, all mutants have amnesty. Diplomatic immunity for yeah, Sabretooth. Yeah, diplom- diplomatic immunity. Mm-hmm. So he goes ahead and takes Sabretooth. Uh, uh, he doesn't take Sabretooth no. uh, off his hands yet, sorry. But he is trying to. He's telling him, hey, right. like, all mutants have amnesty. And Mr. Fantastic Reed Richards is not really allowing him to just take him by force. Mm-hmm. So Cyclops backs off and he's like, don't worry. You can keep him for now, but we'll come we, back for him. We got this. Which is, again, <laughs> awesome how it comes into play later on. I love how they kind of are doing this through yeah. di- through Cy- diplomatic means. Cyclops is very... It's not what I expected from Cyclops, but I don't really know much about him, but he's still... I, I like the way he do, they do the uh, do Cyclops in this um in the comic book series. There's yeah, there's more to talk about when it comes to Cyclops later and his relation to Professor X and to some of the other leaders of the X Men, um, and that's a big thing about it too. But we'll talk about that when we get to. That yeah, I mean, I definitely later. want to get like your impressions of like the characters and all that stuff, um, and whatnot right after the uh, we kind of recap this issue, um, but. 
from there, we go to Magneto, who's still leading the ambassadors through several, like, uh, Krakoan habitats. He's showing them exactly what Krakoa is, what their aim is, and and this, that, and the other, kind of getting giving all these ambassadors across from all over the world uh, a little bit of, like, a... Uh, a tour of their habitat so that uh, they can understand what they're trying to achieve. Um, and uh, where are we? Uh, oh, right. So um, from there, um, it turns out that he's not really giving them a tour, so to speak, to the ambassadors, but he's kind of like owning them. Okay, because it turns out that like the ambassadors weren't actually already sent there to take a look. They were there kind of to like a little bit of uh, disinformation. And it turns out that Magneto has employed the powers of uh, the Stepford Cuckoos, I believe they're called. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and the Cuckoos are, queen they're white queens with like clones or daughters? Daughters. Daughters, right? They're the daughters of uh, Emma Frost. Yeah, if they're if triplets who are also, also mm -hmm. telepathic. And mm -hmm. all the while that he's given them this tour, they've already, like, entered their minds, realized what their real intentions are. Um, it turns out that uh, one is not an actual ambassador, that he's, like, the head of uh, the science, the state's uh, Chinese uh, state science office. Mm -hmm. Um, and they've already decided that they want to agree to their, you know, to recognizing them as a nation state so that they can get these right. uh, flowers. Um, same thing with another, another, another one is, is an actual ambassador, but he's also part of a private sector pharmaceutical company. And he's looking to see how he can monetize and make money off of this. Mm -hmm. And then you have another one that's an operator um, who's carrying a weapon and Magneto immediately just... You know, flings him in the air, catches a, you know, takes apart his gun and mm -hmm. completely disassembles it. And it turns out that his whole purpose to bringing him here to Krakoa is not really to sort of uh, give them this tour, so to speak, as even though that was the original, the initial premise. But it was more to let them know and put them on notice. Yeah. You know, it was to put Which them on notice that like they basically have to take this deal of. Mm -hmm of uh, recognizing Krakow in uh, nationhood and the mutant's uh, immunity and amnesty um, and, you know, and whatnot to, to come to Krakoa uh, because the end is inevitable in their view. In their view, humans are eventually going to cease to exist. Mutants are going to take over. And what they want to do is um, give humans enough time to live out their lives while their species grows on uh, Krakoa and he ends it with an awesome line oh, yeah. where he says, you see, I, now, I, I know how you humans love your symbolism almost as much as you love your religion. So he wants to bring them to the Jerusalem habitat and to make them understand that they have new gods. That's kind of where we end on the first issue. You so. have new gods now. The negotiations were short. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> him just saying, like, this is the new paradigm. This is the new dynamic. We've always said it, like... Listen, this is the next we are the next evolution of the species and instead of doing what usually happens in this situation and us wiping you out, which is what evolution basically tends to do, he's like, look, we we we're not going to harbor any <clears throat> ill will towards you to a certain extent. We're not going to attack you, but we also want you to realize that like we are the future and this is how it's going to be. There's nothing you can do about it. And like you said, Gabe, like you're just you're going to have to take this deal, but we are being courteous enough to explain right, it to right, you exactly. beforehand. So let me ask you guys to kind of do a little bit of a roundtable here. 
um, what were your guys' thoughts on like, as far as like uh, the exposition, the dialogue, the art, especially? Um, is there anything that like stood out to you story-wise, art-wise, and and any specific panels that you guys like just kind of like uh, popped out at you? Well, I will say that, um, like you had said earlier, I really like that that quick confrontation between um, between uh, Cyclops and the Fantastic Four, where right, he yeah. basically comes to them and says, like, you have to give me Sabretooth. This is how things are going to be. He has diplomatic immunity. We will deal with him in the way that we see fit because he's one of ours, and all mutants now are going to be under our umbrella. You have no jurisdiction, in a sense, to mm -hmm. do anything to Sabretooth. I thought that was a really cool confrontation where you got to see some of the characters' personality shine. Um, but it was also kind of interesting to me because, as we'll see later, like this kind of defines who Cyclops is in the X-Men hierarchy now. Right. Um, and again, like I said, we'll get to that when we get to that point in the comics. The art is definitely amazing in this. I think, actually, you know, the, the art is a little different, obviously, in House of X and Powers of Ten. I think I actually prefer the art in House of X a little bit more. Okay. I'm going to talk about how the art is. The art is great in both of them, but I kind of like the style of the art in, in House of X a little bit more. Okay. And um, I think the other thing that's really cool is that this is kind of a very overtly political, like, X-Men comic. And X-Men has always been based a little bit on society well, and politics to a certain extent. Yeah, exactly. I kind of like how they're doing that. Yeah, like, yeah, there's de it's definitely not a huge departure but what I really like is how much focus it has because of the overarching story that's going to be told, how much focus they have on how things go politically, and you know the interactions with humans that Magneto has are really right. cool, like we said. Yeah. So overall, like, in, in, in terms of setting me up for excitement with this whole comic book series, as soon as I read this, I was like, this is going to be good. Yeah. I really, really Great. enjoyed this issue. Cool. Uh, First Aiden? and foremost... I was surprised with where they're taking Charles Xavier in the first place. And this kind of ties into the politics of X-Men. Because mm -hmm. generally, you have Charles Xavier as the... No, that's Magneto's Malcolm X. Charles Xavier yeah, is MLK. Mm -hmm. Not anymore. Now he's working with well, Magneto. Right. And... Well, and we're going to get not, to exactly how that came to be. Yeah. Yeah. Which is going to be super, super important. But yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy to see the fact that they're working together. Well, it's not completely far out there because have, have they worked together in the they past? They have, but they've, ne but they've never worked together on a, on, on a, a, as a partnership. They've worked yeah. together reluctantly, right? Um, and that's one thing that I do need to kind of like make a note of that in the comic, one of the, one of the things that struck, uh, struck me. Um, big was that in this very first initial comic where even though the comic opened up with the image of Xavier and he was the opening line was to me my X-Men those are the only lines that he speaks in the entire issue mm -hmm. the rest of the comic is taken over by Magneto and I believe if I'm not mistaken when they first see Magneto they ask him like oh yeah, are they you ask, where's they Charles ask, they ask Charles like uh, are you leading this whole thing or whatever and he's like no 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 i come to you just as an ambassador mm -hmm. of charles you know so magneto has very obviously taken a uh secondary step under charles even though they are working in, in unison so right um he's almost like the spokesman for yeah, yeah for an ambassador yeah Xavier. Mm -hmm. i think to to your point also andre is that what's interesting is um 
if you read about like Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X in real life, as you read some of the things that Martin Luther King Jr. said and wrote in his later years, as he started to become a little bit more disillusioned with his path and with what he was right. trying to do, he actually did start to skew a little bit more towards Malcolm X's way of seeing things. Mm -hmm. um, so this is almost like a parallel in the comic book, which mm. maybe is intentional, maybe it's not, but I still think it's pretty cool that like they kind of did that in here because that really speaks to the real life. That's dynamic. really interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did What did you think about the art? It. And I'm sorry, I'm going to take this to DC. But <laughs> the art style vaguely reminds me of what I saw in the Dark Side War run. Okay. Like there was a very, they they play a lot with lighting in that. Right. That that's one very specific thing that they really they do a really good job of like yeah. the lighting and stuff. Like when they're outside, all the panels reflect exactly where the sun is, where the sunlight's coming from, based on like uh, which side the characters are facing, which is really cool how they did that. Yeah, they had a very similar thing in, in that run of comics, The Dark Side War, also, so I appreciated that a lot. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Walt, any thoughts? So, um, one, one of the things that I found interesting is it's very political, but I think there's a lot of religious themes in here also. Yeah. Um, because, just like you said, the very first scene is the birthing chamber, right? Yes, the birthing and, chamber. And you do called. have these these mutants who we will find out who they are later on in the <coughs> comic, right? Which is mind-blowing also. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> well, we can go to that real quick just because that first image, what we see is it's we see two, uh, two beings coming out of these uh, mm -hmm. orbs, uh, but you see one being very obviously look who like is. Cyclops, exactly. right? Because he's being birthed mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. he has rays... Uh, sort of emanating from his eyes. So it's one of those things where you look at that particular scene and you're like, what in the world is going on here? Because, right. you know, in our minds, we already know that there's a Cyclops in existence, but yet we're seeing him birthed. Being birthed. Right? And as an adult. Yeah, as an adult. Which is, yeah. which is even which is more super weird. Yeah. Have a but, freaking alien pot, which is like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, um,. The thing that struck me is that, you know, he, Professor X here is is almost like a holy figure in the way that they portray him in these panels, right? Yeah. Because he's standing there, he's watching over the birth the birthing of these mutants, and he says almost like a, a come to Jesus moment. He's like, Come to me, my children. Yeah. Come yes, to me, my exactly. X Men. Yes. And what I find interesting and this gets told more you see it more as you continue to read the book mm -hmm. like you said he always has the helmet so you never see his face and again i go back to the religious text where it's like you can't see the face of god because you won't be able to handle it or so, something like that i'm paraphrasing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so again you know it's another he's like this mythic godlike figure in this book where it's like you know I'm doing I'm doing these these great acts of, of miracles and stuff like that. The other thing that I find interesting I just is that to say really quickly in, in a response actually to, to to find a specific example, if you remember in the Bible, the reason that God appears as a burning bush is because his real right. facade, his real image would kill Moses. Exactly. And it That's ages him just by seeing the flame mm -hmm. in the bush. Mm -hmm. So sorry, again, you cannot look upon the face of God, right? Um, the other thing that I found interesting, and we spoke about this very briefly today, right? Mm -hmm. um, the thing 
the habitat that they choose is Jerusalem. Right. In the Middle East. And again, I find that interesting, but I find the whole dynamic of what happens with Krakoa very interesting also. And again, this is kind of like the persecution of the mutants, the persecution of the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Um, we find out later that there may be a Holocaust. Um, they go out and they create their own nation, much like the, the nation of Israel. So mm-hmm. again, you have these parallels, you know, that that's going on. The artwork, though, is fantastic. And there's one character that I, I love the way they do him, and that's Magneto. Yeah, Magneto I love how they did Magneto. Yeah, incredibly drawn in this comic. Um, just there is a shot toward the very end where he's talking to the the ambassadors. That's the one that I'm talking about. And you see yeah, the, the lighting that AJ's talking about. Yeah, exactly. Going back to what AJ said, the lighting that they show him in and that pose where it's an imposing pose to say, hey, we're not playing. This is, we're not giving you the opportunity to negotiate. Right. This is your new norm. He's very much a godlike figure in that image. Again, right, exactly. So, you know. X-Men's never been shied, shying away from religious themes, political themes. Mm-hmm. And again, this comic continues that. Um, it's very interesting how they do Professor X, though. That's, that's yeah. all I'm going to say, and we can get into the rest of it. Right. Later. So, I mean, just to go back to that point, like, yeah, he did specifically choose Jerusalem because, mm-hmm. like, I said, like he said, uh, he chose it because he knows how much the humans love symbolism, especially in religion. Exactly. And he wanted to use the uh, the Jerusalem as the it's place where they... Well, it, it's the place where they choose to announce that Mecca, here right? we are, yeah. and this is, are, these are your new mm-hmm. gods. You know what I mean? Kind of like the birthplace of uh, a lot of gods. Yeah. them choosing that place. Right, you know? yeah. And, and I and, found that very interesting. And to the design of Magneto, like one of my favorite parts is seeing that X-Men logo on his belt, oh, it, which we've seen him awesome. before in Age of Apocalypse. Um, when he was in the uh, alternate kind of reality, the uh, de facto leader of the X-Men mm-hmm. in kind of like a what-if scenario. Uh, what was that, Age of X, I think? Age, uh, no, it Age a- of X? Age of X. Well, it's Age of X. Or Age of Apocalypse. Age of Apocalypse, oh. right. But like, <laughs> yeah, know? but like, yeah, uh, yeah, that, yeah that's Age one. of Apocalypse. Um, so that was cool to see. I always loved Age of Apocalypse. Actually, Age of Apocalypse was more or less around the time that I got really into x-men with like joe Matarea and and all that stuff mm-hmm. um eli your impressions i would love to um there's this one there's this one specific scene that i really like um it's at the very beginning and i know we've already like talked about this but there's this one scene where it's just magneto and he's just literally he has his hands to the side and, like no that's a uh, prof- professor i mean uh, professor X. Mm-hmm. Uh, Professor X, yeah, sorry. It's fine because it's weird how he looks. He's not. Yeah. That's not it's, how it's, he normally looks. Yeah, right? and that's that's what I'm gonna talk about. It's very unsettling. Yeah, because the only thing but, you like see, Meta I, said, I was, I was Andre. gonna, I was gonna say it like, real quick is the only thing you see, you don't see his face. You just see this like a like a sly smile on his face, almost like a very. It's almost an evil smile. It really yeah. almost is, like an evil smirk on Professor X's face in that and one panel. I have no idea why, but it kind of gave me the creeps. Just looking at the way he smiles, and yeah. it's it's very... It's very different. It's it's Yeah, it's very different. And especially um, especially this whole entire comic book. Like, what, um, 
like there's this one scene um I think we've already gone over most of the stuff that I want I want to talk about but like there's this one scene with um Cyclops and he's just like like we said he he's on He's very he, straight he's, to yeah. straight to the point. Yeah, and he's like in in a way kind of not really negotiating but he he knows what he's talking about. It sounds mm-hmm. like he Absolutely knows he's, what he's talking about. He's very alpha and witty. Yeah, which is different from what. Yeah, it's different from like old Cyclops. Maybe mm-hmm. the Cyclops that we grew up with, that was very kind of like Captain America-ish and goody two shoes. He was the company man, freaking boy scout. Whatever, but, whatever Professor X said he would do. Right, you know? but like. I think, but but the, the thing is, Cyclops in like the last ten years have taken a turn because at one point, like you know, he he completely rebelled. He yeah, 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 was yeah. a villain basically and all that, and he kind of like basically like had enough. Mm-hmm. You know, that was um, the Uncanny X Men run. Yeah, where so it was, it was mostly about him and his his almost. Well, we'll get into. Well, yeah, that. I mean, you know, like, you know, yeah, like he yeah, yeah. things kind of get crazy with Cyclops, but I like <laughs> I like I like how they reinvented him to finally be like. We already have one Captain America. We don't need another one. So, um, so yeah. So that's kind of that's that's the first issue of House of X, uh, and now we kind of have the next issue, which is going to be Powers of Ten. So now Powers of Ten is really interesting, and the Powers of Ten issues are mainly interesting because of the format of the issues. So, <clears throat> the main format of the issues where we have the segmented. Uh, pages or sections where we go through uh, a section where they are they display that it's uh, year one we don't exactly know what year one is but we have year one then we have year 10 and year 100 and then year 1000 and we're essentially seeing different timelines all in the X-Men history essentially um, the first page is going to start with essentially like each once o- a small panel of each one of the years, year one at the, uh, and we're going to kind of like describe basically what the entire book uh, says about each uh, section in in one piece. Um, as the book is read, it's uh, when you turn a page, it's a different section, and when you read the entire book, you get the entire uh, story of each one of these uh, segments, right? Um, but essentially, in the year one segment of the book, uh, at a fair in Oxford, Charles Xavier meets Moira Kinross, uh, eventually McTaggart. Uh, Moira McTaggart, for those of you guys that um, follow up with X-Men, um, who asks him why he's smiling. And Charles explains that recently he has had the most wonderful dream uh, of, of his place in a better world, referring to the eventual creation of Xavier's school and the X-Men. Again, this is Charles Xavier essentially when he first kind of envisions his uh, dream of uh, uh, changing the world's mind about mutants and making the world a better place for mutants. Um, Moira stops for a second before stating, well, before stating, well, here's the thing, Charles, it's not a dream if it's real. And this is important because it's going to come into play um, a little later. Uh, Charles questions whether they have met before, which Moira responds to by asking him to read her mind. And when he does, Charles reads Moira's mind and his eyes go wide in astonishment. And we don't know yet why, but we will soon. The next segment is going to be the year 10. Okay. So in year 10, in in the present day, Mystique and Toad arrive on Krakoa after the infiltration of damage damage control, which happened in House of X1. 
Okay, Mystique takes the flash drive with with her findings on it to X to Xavier and Magneto, who entered into a computer to view the contents. That's it. Now we get to the year one hundred segment of the uh, book, uh, where we're in a really really dark future, uh, where the Earth is ruled by a man machine called Nimrod. Nimrod the Lesser and his Sentinels. The remaining mutants on Earth are either those from before the current war or chimeras, uh, which are mutants genetically engineered by Mr. Sinister to have multiple abilities all at once. A small team of mutants led by, the, by a chimera named Rasputin IV, who has the uh, powers of Shadowcat and Colossus. Essentially, you can phase through and then, you know, completely become metallic. Um... They uh, escape from a group of Sentinels, but lose two of their own in the process. And um, from there, Rasputin and the remaining mutant Cardinal escape to arrive at their base through a Krakoan flower, uh, where they are met by the only remaining mutant resistance, including Wolverine, who's all grayed out, finally aging, a little bit more like, a little bit kind of akin to old man Logan, uh, and Zorn. Uh, and if you do not know who Zorn is, Zorn is the alias kind of uh, uh, two, f- uh, two, two characters in, in, in the X-Men world. He was created uh, by Grant Morrison back in the day. So I definitely highly recommend that you guys check out some of the older uh, stuff. It's, uh, from the n- it's New X-Men by Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, super awesome line. The art's a little bit weird on that one. Uh, lines are kind of weird but anyway super great read anyway so they again they uh they escape to the base where they have wolverine and zorn um and uh rasputin and cardinal confirmed their mission was not in vain and wolverine leads them to the old man which we don't know exactly as of yet and then the last segment of the book is year 1000 in the archives of Nimrod the Greater, a blue-skinned being known as the Librarian converses and speaks with Nimrod on the final fate of his hive mind experiment, which proved pointless due to the surprising final fate of the war. He then looks at a nature preserve where two nude human figures are side, Adam and Eve, don't mm-hmm. know, <laughs> reflecting that it is important to keep a record of the great sins of history so that they never have dominion again. Now, that's powers of 10, okay? Which it took. I had to read it a few times. I think I think a few of us had to read it a couple times because it's of a total shit. It's it's just it's so different from like a typical comic that you would read. Mm-hmm. You know, like every page is a new uh, time time shift essentially. Yeah. One page is year one. Then you turn the page, and now we're a hundred years later. Then we turn the page again. No, it's ten years. Is. Then a hundred years later, we turn the page again. Then we're a thousand years in the future. We turn the page again, and we go back to year one. So it was a little bit difficult to follow and read, but reactions, thoughts. Well, uh, it's interesting that it's called Powers of Ten, and like, you know, everybody probably looks at it at first and calls it Powers of X. Oh yeah. But then when you start to read it, you see the reasoning behind that. Obviously, the big jumps in time. Um, This issue definitely confused me. I think we all kind of agree. Like, it was awesome. We had to read it a couple of times, but it's sort of kind of like The Witcher. <laughs> yes, like like, like, the, like episode one of The Witcher, but after hey, that man. it gets a little bit more. Well, at least for me, it's gotten Come a little on. bit more clear. And again, I like, like The, the Witcher. Witcher. I like The Witcher. I'm yeah. not complaining about it. But it gets, it gets clearer, just like The Witcher. What what I like yeah. about this issue is it starts to give you a sense of the scale of this relaunch. We're gonna call it a relaunch, I guess, instead yeah. of a reboot. Yeah. Right? It's a better way to put it. Although, when you when you see how the story goes, it is kind of a reboot. 
It's and a soft reboot. Yeah, it's a soft reboot. Yeah. Um, made possible by like how the story goes, but like, it's it's hard to form a lot of impressions about this other than like I said, you start to get a sense of where this is gonna go because if you're jumping a thousand years in the future, you're jumping a hundred years in the future, you're you know you're at ten years in the future and you see how far things have progressed and how bad things have gotten, mm -hmm. or I guess good depending on like which side you're on because... Um, well, is it ever really good for the mutants? No, it never is. <laughs> you know? No. Mutants <laughs> always have a terrible future. Exactly. You but know? it makes you wonder like what happens to all the other heroes in the Marvel Universe because that's something that doesn't always get approached or talked about. I mean, you assume they're all dead. And some sometimes they will specify that a little bit, but all the other superheroes in, in the Marvel Universe kind of get left out. And um, to me, yeah, it's also kind true. of interesting. Yeah, like they never really, they never really address it. Some of the comics they do, but in this one, they don't address it to a great deal, to in great detail, right. which is okay because we're not focusing on them, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, but like, just just on that point, like, if the X Men like basically always end up like destroying the whole universe, man, it kind of sucks. Or at least like the conflict always ends up with like. Humans and mutants killing each other, all the humans dying, all the mutants dying. Everybody right, like dying. the inevitability, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. like it always ends badly for the X-Men, but they're always jumping back in time to like fix things. And as we'll see, that kind of like comes into play later on. It's not specifically yeah. a time jump, right? Right. Um, but yeah, we see... Thing. Yeah, it's yeah, a Yeah, we, we don't want to go it's into brilliant. it. Yeah, it's a different really, you know, for some of you guys that are still yeah. reading along. Yeah. Um, yeah you, you can stop here, I guess. But, there, but there's, you know, there's not, like, to, for me, there wasn't, there's, it, it was it was a good book to read just so to get introduced to these timelines, but there's not much that I could actually grab from these timelines. No. There's, you know, not much of anything. It's, they're just Bread setting crumbs. up. They're yeah, setting it's up. just all set up, yeah. right? Like, you can't really expect so, uh, too much from, like, the backstory because you don't... I mean, you want to grab the information, but you don't want to expect too much of, like, the action and all of that from, like, background information. Yeah, and, and you're jumping right into the middle of these storylines in a way. You know, you're jumping right, right exactly. into the middle of the timeline at the one at the one year, year one, year 10, year 1,000, year 100. You're jumping right into the middle of something, and you kind of don't know exactly what's going on, yeah. but you do kind of see some small connections between them. The one thing that so, I appreciate about these books is that... Um, we we get those little data dumps in the pages. Yeah, that's what um, I'm saying. Like that's something that I have to go back and read through. Right, all of it right. Yeah, you get you get a lot of information, and the reason I appreciate it is because you're not using the characters to ex, exp, to do exposition on this, which kind of can take you out of it. They're just saying, okay, well, we're gonna keep with the story. The characters are gonna do what they're gonna do, and then. The exposition is going to be some of these data dumps that we have yeah. here. You know what I'm saying? I was, gonna, I was gonna say this and I think AJ had a point to make, so I'll let him speak. But like this this strikes the right balance because I hate to bring it up, but we talk about Rise of Skywalker and how like you have to read outside of the movie to find out stuff. It's all here there. it's right in the damn comic. Right, exactly. And it's it's not necessarily very different in the way that they do it, but it's it's interesting because instead of like being in a separate novel or a separate book. Here it's just like okay. Here are some details about the entire uh, about the about the X Men universe that already exist. It's not like it's something mm -hmm. that they're just creating out of thin air, like they did with Rise of Skywalker to explain some of the plot points. This is something that they're just explaining, like to those who are maybe new readers of the X Men or those who haven't read it in a mm -hmm. while. Mm -hmm. They're just bringing back some of those details that yeah. are going to be important. Yeah, we're gonna so, right? we're gonna sacrifice a page or two here and fill you in on the things that you may not either remember. Or you need that's necessary to understand some of the things going forward, and you get it ahead of time, and some of it 
you know pays off toward the end but at least you're getting it there you, you know, know what it, you know what it's kind of like i'm sorry and I'll, let, I'll definitely let you speak it's kind of like when you get to the beginning of like the next episode on like a streaming service or on tv and they give you the little the little dump of what's happened previously previously, uh, previously the yeah um, exactly the recap I mean, it's sort of like that i, but, I would you say you know why i say that though yeah. like it's not exactly like that but the reason that i'm saying that is because often when you get those recaps what you see in those recaps is going to relate to the episode coming forward right like but my, my thing is that like the data dumps some of the data dumps do that but some of them are really really important to mm -hmm. the future of the book like it's like okay we want to kind of give you this little backstory where you're not really going to understand what's going on right you now get to pay off later you know but you get to pay off later whereas we were talking about this a while back when we were first reading dawn of x yes, uh, the, the house of x where it's like this is you know back in the day if you need this is all information that was really really important but writers had to figure out a way how to get that information to the reader through the dialogue exposition that was given right. by the character so then you would have pages of like a million bubbles of dialogue just to give you some of this like data that you need to know it, and it's understand. A, it's a clunky way of doing it. But yeah, but it made it really difficult. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I think this is really cool because now like the dialogue and the conversation straightforward, good, just straight up character building and then the data dumps give you the world building aside from like the imagery that we see. Yeah, so you don't, AJ. You don't, AJ's you don't been dying a, You don't have a character that's just exposition man or exposition <laughs> woman. Yes. <laughs> you know? Go for it, AJ. So initially when I read this comic, I did have a takeaway, but that was before I knew about the greater context of Powers of Ten. What I basically took away from it was, okay, year one, this is how it starts. Year 10, this is the actual thing. Year 100, oh, well, it sucks and it doesn't work. Year 1000, it really sucks. Oh, wow, this is not going to go well at all. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was my initial takeaway from that. But once you complete like the whole thing, it's it's something completely different, right? Because you find out that that is without spoiling. You find out that that is. There are certain factors uh, that are influencing yeah, well, I'm not this. Say yeah, say yeah, because it's it's going to give too much away if I make any kind of point of what you see. All right, and so Eli, your impressions. Because Eli hasn't, you haven't read everything. How far have you gone so far, um, as far as the books go? I think I'm up to I want I want to know where we're going to start looking for reactions. Powers of X2. Powers of 10 to, okay, cool. Okay. X2. So he's like four issues X2. in. X2. I'd rather, I'd rather say X. That ruins it's like a Roman the, numeral. Pox. But still. Remember, the whole point is that it's actual powers of 10 yeah. in time. But it sounds better with X. No, no it actually it doesn't. doesn't. Yeah, it does. Anyway, well, impressions. Eli, impressions <laughs> on powers of 10X to 1. Sorry. X. Powers <laughs> of X2. Power. First issue. First issue. X2. Don't confuse it. First Power. issue first of X2 powers of yes. X. X. Whatever. For first issue? Yeah. That's what we're on. Where are you? We're up powers to second. Of, oh. No, powers of X1. Oh, my yes. God. I yes. forgot. Yes. I'm I'm getting confused by the <laughs> timelines. I mean, the <laughs> in reading it, I was confused, so I understand. But yeah, this is the this is the one where we first <laughs> see <laughs> them jump through time. So, what do you think about that? Um, like we don't remember, we don't get much here. We just see Professor X. We see the X Men ten years in the future in Krakoa. We see the future where things are not going very well for the X Men, and then we see the future with Nimrod, all the sent the Sentinel guy. I mean, I think so, you 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 can agree. I think that like there was a little bit of confusion when you first read it, like. What am I reading? I don't get this, right? Um, a tad bit. <laughs> and 
Yeah, um, it wasn't my favorite uh, comic book. I mean, um, yeah, yeah, the issue, issue. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it, I, I, I think, I think in in certain ways, I can see that not being the case for a lot of people unless you finish the entire series. I, That's exactly what I was gonna say. Like The Witcher. There, there is. A <laughs> Leave it alone. <laughs> Stop. The Witcher actually does have exposition, man, too, though. Huh? Yeah. It does. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we're we're in off topic here. Um, According to your Witcher. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Stop. Uh, I know you guys are going to hate me for this, but I found this one part. Uh, this, uh, I think it was like one of the years, uh, year 100, the war. I found that part corny. Oh, my God. Why? Okay. Though? Think yeah, everything is, is corny. <laughs> I have no idea why I find it corny. It's just that <laughs> I do not like that part at all. What part? But what okay. about it? There has to be something that makes you react. That the way fact too. that there's the fact that there's a war against human and mutants and like, come on, you've done that like how many times in the comic books? Okay. That's a yeah, but it's an ongoing of thing. the mutants yeah. though. I know, but that's. I, I have to say, I think Eli's looking man. for something different. You yeah, still need to read more of the comics to understand why that is. Not only that. It's but uh, out of issue two, that's what I'm saying. Out of issue two. Well, that's issue one. It's how it's. Remember, it's powers of X. Issue or 10, one. Whatever you want to call it, issue one. Because remember, you got to jump from comic to comic. I know. Yeah, it's it, confusing. Okay, can I just say? Yeah, issue one, whatever. But yeah, so it it wasn't my favorite. Okay, that's okay. Um. All right. I mean, I think the general impressions. I I think the art was pretty much on par. Yeah, yeah. the um, art was definitely. I mean, you know, it it is very similar, although like. The 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 change in timelines also has a change in like the environment, which is uh, cool to see. Um, but anyway, moving along, now we kind of have now one thing that's really really important um, to to kind of denote is that mm-hmm. at the end of every issue, it has the reading order. Now, what's special about this reading order is that the reading order um, has you know all twelve issues, the dates that they're going to come out. But very specific issues are highlighted in red. And you just have no idea what you're looking at, obviously. But there's a reason why they were highlighted in red from the very first issue. If you go to the back of House of X1, uh, the reading order, it's exactly the same. And you see that House of X number two is in red, which for right reason is going to denote something very, very important happening. A big event. So huge event. Huge, huge event. We've talked huge. about this. Huge. I think this is, huge. This, yeah, this is huge. It's this is bigly. Huge. It's bigly. It's the biggest. This yeah. is this is the biggest reveal in, in comics in recent I memory. think it's the biggest reveal in, like, I mean, it's definitely the biggest reveal in X history, period. Yeah, actually, yeah, because it puts context on every single X-Men comic you've ever read in your entire existence on this planet. Huge. <laughs> now, Tell us about so, so we get to... Uh, we get to House of X2, and essentially what we see is we see Moira Kincross, uh, here later known as Cowan, Moira Cowan, which is weird, right? Because we've always known her as Moira McTaggart, mm-hmm. right? Now, here we see her living a very unassuming life as a teacher with a husband and three children, and Moira later dies peacefully at the age of 74 from natural causes. That's what we're told, and... You know, at first glance, we're like, what is going on? And then we see that after her death, Moira suddenly finds herself back in her mother's womb with all of her memories from her previous life. 
okay? And Moira, over here, we're basically told that Moira is actually a mutant, and she has been all this time. The entire X-Men universe that we've had, like, in all this time that we've had Moira, Moira has been a, a mutant this entire time, and she's known about it, okay, from this point on. What? Yeah. <laughs> Mind she, blown. She, she obviously realizes it from the moment that she's born. I believe she starts talking from the moment that she's born because she, yeah. she has talking, all her walking. memories. She's yeah. talking and walking. She in has the womb. All, she yeah, in the she womb she's talking. She has all her memories from you her know? previous. Yeah, she has, the, she has all the memories from her previous life. Back here. Um, realizes that she's a mutant. And she does conceal her nature as best as she can. She conceals the fact that she's a mutant uh, as best as she can. Uh, because of her abilities, you could say, uh, and you know, all the knowledge that she has from her past life. She's considered a prodigy, and she d decides to become an academic in biology and psychology at Oxford uh, so that she can try to figure out what's going on with her and who she is and all that. After 20 years of research, she spots her former classmate, Charles Xavier, revealing himself as a mutant on television. Realizing that this is a possible opportunity, she takes a flight to America to pr that proves fatal after it crashes in the ocean. <laughs> so Moira dies again. Which is crazy. <laughs> Once again, she's born, and in this life, Moira instead decides to focus on anthropology and genetics and seeks out Xavier while at Oxford. So she still plans on, like, all right, in my last life, I ended up dying. Uh, I died on a plane crash. I have to relive my whole life again until I'm in college again and I can meet Xavier. Right? Just make sure don't take that plane. Yeah, just don't take <laughs> that <knows> plane. That. <laughs> so she seeks out Xavier while she's at Oxford, but she Xavier's arrogance which, it's funny enough, if you guys remember in, in uh, X-Men First Class, he was very arrogant in that movie, too. Yes, he you was. You know what I mean? And I thought that that was a really awesome, you know, like, uh, I don't know if he was ever portrayed to be, like, truly arrogant in the comics, even when, he, even when they had scenes of him being young. But I wonder if this was a decision that was based off of that movie. Like what came first, the movie or it's also kind of like that in Dark Phoenix and that whole that whole uh, series of comics or that whole series of movies. He's kind of like a little different, a little more. Arrogant. Yeah, he's a little. Yeah, he's like edgier and stuff like that, which is I think what they were trying to do. But I think too, they kind of so ran with it. That's one of the. Well, that, that was one of my favorite parts of like that weak series of movies is Xavier being like edgy and mm -hmm. kind of cool and all that stuff they yeah. before he became they, like they brought right. him in Magneto he needed bit. to be humbled yeah you know, he needed to be humbled to, before that yeah. he got to the yeah you know but they, they brought him and Magneto a little closer together you know what I mean they made Magneto a little more like him and they made him a little bit more like Magneto in, in those movies yeah. if you look at those, it because Magneto you know you have how he, those movies he, were all over the place yeah but, me, but they, honest, they were the best know? part of it but anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. One, one, one thing that I do need to go back to is in Moira's uh, second life, uh, I believe, she she actually tries to li live the exact same life that she lived in her first life. But then she found it mundane because she already, the things that she fell in love with her husband about uh, ended up kind of destroying her relationship. Right. Because yeah, all, she didn't. All those like, little quirks all the, that All the had. annoyances. Yeah, and, and, she couldn't and, do it. And having the children wasn't fulfilling enough for her anymore and stuff like that. And, and everything that she loved about her life in the first life, she actually hated in her second life. So in the first life, she had three kids. She had three kids in, in her first life. life. She had none. She had none because she had no desire to have kids with right. him. Right. You mm -hmm. know, she had no desire to have a family with him because she didn't love him. Mm -hmm. You know, and there was nothing wrong with him. She realized she just like, 
is kind of over it basically it's like it's like you finding out all of your partner's flaws before you even get together with them yeah you know? so, i mean i think like the, the the beauty of a relationship is in the discovery phase which yeah. the discovery ends up being your entire life the rest of your life right? exactly um, if you get that that information ahead of time i think where yeah. do you but i think that this grow, is i think this is know? important for everything coming forth because if she I think if she was content living the same life over and over again, there would be no reason for her to figure out what's going on with her and all that stuff and meet Xavier. Yeah. Anyway, in this third life, again, she meets Xavier, but his arrogance kind of uh, uh, turns her off. And she decides to, like, you know, screw Xavier. I'm not going to, like, deal with him or partner up with him or anything like that. And she devotes her life to finding a cure for uh, uh, mutantum and mutation. Hmm. And she succeeds. Hmm. And, and the that, cure that gets her in trouble. Mutation. <laughs> but her lab is destroyed and her colleagues are killed by Mystique, Pyro, and Destiny. And this is funny because, like, yes, she succeeds in creating a cure. So then why don't we actually have this cure in all these other timelines and this history that we've been reading X-Men? But there's a reason you know? for that, right? And the reason for that is that De uh, Destiny's precognitive powers allow her to realize Moira is actually a mutant. Invisible by standard mutant detection methods. But she warns Moira that if she ever decides to act against mutants again, Destiny will kill her before her X-Gene activates at the age of 13, which would kill her permanently. Mm -hmm. she, she also tells Moira that her powers are not infinite and that she will only have 10 lives or 11 if she makes the right choice in the end. And then Destiny then orders Pyro to burn Moira alive Just slowly crazy. so that she'll never forget this crazy. encounter. Crazy. Because mean, if you guys remember, Moira remembers everything I mean, from all her lives. She's got what? What is that called? Eidetic memory? Eidetic. Eidetic memory, yeah, right? But it's not yeah, yeah, just Eidetic yeah, yeah. memory because she's, that's like the... She can, she can remember the pains also. It's like Eidetic. And so that, that, that's, that, that's serious because Destiny knows that she's going to live and she gave her the choice. She was like, look... If you keep trying to kill a mutation, I'm just going to kill you before you finish discovering this thing again. Um, imagine, so don't even try it. Imagine being burned alive and actually knowing how death feels and coming back into life and actually knows know how, how that feels. That mm -hmm. is a that hell of a deterrent. Yeah. So that now, would drive me insane. It definitely so, changed her mind. So, yeah. now, so now Moira, life number four, Okay, uh, realizing that, like, well, I can't even attempt to figure out the cure for mutation because I'm going to die if I do. She gives up that and instead tries to figure out what's the problem between the mutant and human coexistence issues that are going on. So she again looks for Xavier at Oxford because now she realizes, well, I need to work with him. Um, and uh, it's at this point that they become lovers. Which is important because this tells us that the Xavier, this the X Men universe that we've been living in has been Moira's fourth life. Yep. So everything that we've been reading up until this point has been Moira's fourth life. And and I love the way that they flashed those those panels. Right. You yes. know where and they even mentioned the the dark period, which was yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So I mean it's 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 really cool how we're doing this way. Like you know obviously we're going through. We know that Moira has. 10 possibly 11 lives we don't know yet because that's going to be based off of like her decisions moving forward mm -hmm. um but it's it's cool to know exactly where we do stand so they didn't retcon necessarily they retcon the entire history of the x-men universe but in a cool way where they don't touch anything about everything that's happened in the comics they didn't destroy anything that has no. been printed and created and stuff 
which is cool because you don't want to destroy certain writers' legacies, the good or the bad. Yeah. They just kind of compar- <laughs> like compartmentalize it in Mortar's Fourth Life. It's all right there. I think cool. Um, uh, in that Fourth Life, they go through what's uh, it, essentially the uh, Days of Future Past uh, series of events. Right. Um, they create the they create the uh, the school for the gifted in this. In this yes, exactly. Uh, and she's fine. She's eventually killed by Sentinels in this life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so more life number five, have become radicalized by the experience of that fourth life and everything that's gone in our uh, up until this point our X Men universe. She uh, she decides to meet Xavier even earlier and convince him to create an isolated haven for mutants. Um, nevertheless, the, Sentinel, the Sentinels eventually attack and kill Moira anyway in this line. So she's already kind of giving him the idea to like, hey, let's do this whole Krakoa thing, mm-hmm. you know, before it actually even happens. But right. she ends up getting killed before it can happen. So I just got to make a quick point here before you get to the next mm-hmm. one. Well, we're going to have to talk about this maybe even a little bit later on because isn't it interesting that they don't mention what happens in her sixth life at all? Right. They do not well, mention that. Well, that's what I was that, just going to say right now. Much later. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, what, that's what I was going to go yeah. into right now. I was going to uh, see if anybody would pick it up. I was just going to go right over to Moira Life Number Seven yeah. and see if anybody picked it up. But yeah, Moira Life Number Six is not revealed at the moment. Nope. They completely glance over it. They don't even mention it. They just immediately go yeah. into Moira Number Seven. It just goes uh, straight to Moira the other number one. Seven. Uh, and in the uh, seventh life, Moira foregoes science entirely and instead becomes an assassin, dedicating her life to exterminating the entire Trask family um, <laughs> to prevent the creation of the Sentinels. Jason they, Bourne style. <laughs> Jason <laughs> Black Widow style. I mean, it was sick. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, I think we spoke about this too, that it would be dope to have, like, a standalone comic of this life. Yeah, that's true. It would true. be so cool. Moira the assassin. But, uh, so she... Ex- she you know, dedicates her life to exterminating the entire Trask family to prevent the creation of the Sentinels, but they arise as an inevitable consequence of technological development mm-hmm. and humans' fear of mutants. The uh, you know, like like every single like coming of like movie that we've grown up with, you know, the the machines will rise essentially is what the moral of that life is. And she's again, uh, and they and they again exterminate mutant kind, right? Which is becoming a common theme in all of these lives. Yes. So, uh, Moira, now in her eighth life, she's even more radicalized, realizing she can't get through to Xavier. She can't end up, she can't put it, put this whole like, uh, destruction of mutant kind, uh, down by her own hand. So she decides to partner up with Magneto this time instead of Xavier. Um, but. Unfortunately, they're both defeated by the forces of Avengers and X-Men, and Mora dies during a failed prison escape. In the ninth that, life... I'm sorry, Gabe. That was the one with Magneto? Where she, where she, where she partners up with yeah, Magneto, okay, okay. but then, Thank like... You. you know, the thing is that she can't tell them what's going on, mm-hmm. right? And they all just believe that this is Magneto's, like, radicalization and all that. So, right. of course, the X-Men and the Avenger power, like, team up together to, to, to take them down. Great panel, by the way. Oh, that was one of the best ones oh, because you beautiful. have you have like the Avengers and and the X Men all like coming down from like the top of the page. Mm-hmm. Now we'll talk more about the art. Yeah, yeah, a yeah, bit. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, and then we have Moira's ninth life, which <laughs> is uh, she's even more radicalized. So with every single passing life, she keeps getting like like edgier and darker and like you know with filled with more despair. And in this life, she decides to partner up with Apocalypse. And she says, you know what? Screw trying to figure out how to make them both work. 
but instead she goes to war with humankind. But we all know how this whole thing ends up with Apocalypse, mm-hmm. right? Apocalypse doesn't prevail. Now she's in her last life, okay? We're in the 10th life, potentially her last life, and facing that, and, and the fact that this is her potential last life, she's looking back at all her experiences. Moira decides that in this timeline, she and Xavier will break all the rules. She meets Xavier in Oxford, and we go to the, the last page on this uh, House of X is the first, I believe, one of the first pages in Powers of 10, mm-hmm. one, which is um, Moira meeting Xavier at Oxford on the bench and asking him to read her mind for which his eyes open wide in astonishment. Mm-hmm. And it's because he's now seen all of the lives that she's lived, all of the experiences that she's gone through, and realizing that his, his dreams, the way that he wants to happen, Not won't happen. come true. Right. And that's kind of where we are now. Yeah. So what do you guys think of the Moira v- reveal, the lives, the information that we got in each one of her lives. I mean, this is like a bombshell issue. I mean, if you guys are collectors out there, I would highly recommend seeking out three or four of these copies, getting Just a few of them signed, uh, because this is going to be one of those issues that's going to, uh, it's, it's going to be, it's a landmark issue. It's like, it's like the first, it's like the second issue of Origins, of origin, mm-hmm. where Wolverine officially timeline-wise popped his claws for the first time. This is this is gonna be the next Secret Wars, but for X Men. This is gonna be like the next big I mean, thing. As far as, as, far as yeah. like as far as like you know uh, big events go, yeah, this is a huge event on that level. But you know this whole Moira thing is insane. So it had a, it had like an Edge of Tomorrow type of feel when I was reading it. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like you know like the you're whole rebooting your life. You're dying, resetting. What's the next thing the that's gonna repeat? You're right, exactly. How can I go a little bit further on the next life? Die, repeat, go a little bit further again. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, it was it was really really interesting how they did all of that. It was mind blowing, to be honest, right? I would go so far as to say this is one of the most creative things I've ever seen or read anywhere. Because what's so great about it is, like you said earlier, this preserves. It's like it's like both of you said earlier. You and Gabe mm-hmm. said that this preserves everything that we've read in X-Men prior to this. Exactly. None of that becomes, like, removed from the canon. It still happened. But what what I love about this, I want to make this point first off, is because... So Moira McTaggart, the character, for me, has always felt a little shoehorned into X-Men. I understand her purpose. That's very true. Right? That's very true. I've always understood her purpose. Like, yes, she's a... Whatever, she's a mutant researcher, all this great stuff. Fine, I understand that. But we never get a really detailed explanation. I mean, we get a little bit of detail, but we never get a really detailed explanation. Like, why the heck are you so interested? What makes you, like, so invested in mutants, so invested in Professor X besides the fact that you fell in love with him? But, we like, she always almost felt like we kind of pushed her into the storyline. And I think the bre- the beauty and the brilliance of this, that what Jonathan Hinkman did is we, we gave her the biggest purpose, really, in all of X-Men comics. She is the linchpin behind this and pretty much the whole Marvel Universe, if you look at it that way. Yeah. Because every life that she lives, she influences the X-Men directly, which influences the entire universe of Marvel. The, the only criticism I will have with the comic is that we don't get that sense. 
And and I understand your point because obviously it makes sense. This particular right? comic, right? Like this, this one. issue, right? This that kind of comes later. I feel like, right? But but e- but even then, we still don't get a sense of the Marvel universe as a whole. And, oh no, 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 no and, right, right. You know, so that's why I say this is the like the only slight criticism that I might have in terms of this comic run, in because you're absolutely right. Every single time we have the the timeline shift. And and do we do we know is this an erasure of the timeline or is this or is this a alternate timeline that we've just entered? I don't think we ever got a sense of that here, and we can talk about it later on the on when we get into the other things. But like you said, what is going on with the Marvel universe as a whole? We really don't get that sense too much. See, it yeah. makes sense of what you said. Because obviously something has to change, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't get that from the comic, per Not, se. Well, I think we're going to get that in Marvel Comics going forward. But go ahead, Eli. Right, exactly. It, uh, from the way I see it, it seems like each of these lives are like, um, you know, each once she dies, it goes to a random point in time. Because like, there's this one timeline where she's still young and Charles Xavier is still young, too. And but just in the last life, she she and Xavier were like fully grown. Mm-hmm. That's the sense that I'm getting, at least. Right. Well, that's kind of where they jump into yeah. the timeline more than yeah. anything else. It's not the way that the timeline goes. Uh, AJ, what did you what did you take from from this? I like the fact that I like this whole trial and error thing that she has going. Do this, doesn't work. Do this, doesn't work. And it just increasingly escalates. I was, like, completely blown away when she worked with Apocalypse. Like, what That was the awesome. Hell? That's right. Like, you know, it, it, it's cool because what-if scenarios are always really, really cool. Yeah, exactly. The only thing about what-if scenarios is that they're usually never, ever... Uh, in canon. In canon, right? Because it's always yeah. what ifs. This is like what if scenarios that are in canon, which is freaking awesome. Like, oh, what if she worked with Magneto? Oh, man, what anywhere. if she, you know, all that stuff. Take it anywhere. Because of her power, yeah. you can take the entire Marvel well, Universe I, in any direction. And I just want to say, like, really quickly, Apocalypse is one of my favorite parts of this entire thing. Like, all of his interactions with all the other mutants and all the other wait, wait, wait. Hold on, because we're not there yet. I love it. No, we're, we're, we're kind of there at the beginning here. But yeah, yeah. Just yeah. this little, even this little part alone where you see him getting involved in Moira's different lives. And then, like I said, I don't want to spoil too much, but, like, right. you know, this is all about mutants, so I think it's not too much of a spoiler to say that a lot of them get involved in different ways. Right, right, but I right. love his interactions in this, and I love how things go, like, play out with him. You know, well, that's one of the things about, like, this whole, like, relaunch is that um, they they are, they're not necessarily uh, breaking the characters or, re, or, or just, like, kind of completely redesigning them from the ground up, but they're giving them more depth i think they're like i think jonathan hickman is doing such a great job of of giving every single character whether good or bad uh no matter what history they have the depth that uh they deserve in order to be fleshed out properly so that's one of my favorite things yeah yeah that's one of my favorite things as opposed to like hey let's just drop in this bad guy and like you Mm -hmm. know let's make this happen so Mm -hmm. um so yeah Perhaps my only criticism, now that you bring criticism. it up, criticism. What? Well, it's criticism? not like a full, full-fledged I'm joking. I'm criticism, joking. but like, <laughs> she, Moira, obviously has a very broken power. 
but like oh you like OP is, kind yeah of? like kind of kind of what like Walt it, was though. saying. How does this figure into the greater Marvel universe? Because this is clearly tampering with time in a way. I can't wait to well, talk about I mean, that. Well, I got yeah, theories. like that. Like I mean, I you know, theories. once once we, once we once we completed once we complete the entire House of X and Powers of Ten uh, series, we can talk about like the implications of the future in the Marvel universe, which mm-hmm. uh, still haven't really been. Um, at all, like felt like if if I, I haven't read anything in Iron Man or or Hulk or anything that like deals with any of this yet. I think I think you're gonna start seeing that. I think there's a there's a comic book called Incoming that's coming out in March, right? And I think that's where you're going to start seeing the implications of what. But happens they're like in this they're, they're introducing like a major villain there, right? Like a brand new yeah, major villain, I believe. And, you know, yeah. I, mean, I don't know much about it. I just saw like uh, some I will of the, say uh, this: the, 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 so- the sword that we see. Being utilized by some one of the mutants in um, in this title is yeah. was featured prominently in one of their graphics. So okay, you know. But again, you know, we don't know too much about it because they're kind of keeping that close to the vest. But it, sometime in March, I believe that's when we're going to start yeah. seeing that. Stuff, okay. You know? I mean, I like I personally I enjoy like all this being contained within the X Men universe for now. You know what I mean? Um, I, yeah, I I do like it because I, unpack right I now, yeah I don't you know? I don't want them to like just rush this into the rest of Marvel. We have the rest of our lives to like get this intertwined, mm-hmm. and Jonathan Hickman has like stated that he's already he has already st- enough story development for the next three years of X Men comic lines oh my gosh, that's that crazy. are to reverberate for the next twenty to fifty years of the Marvel universe. Jesus, so he has done something that's it's supposed to set up. All the X Men lines for the next like two to five decades for the entire Marvel universe and all the writers to come after him, because I believe he's been on record to say that he's gonna do basically like a two to three year run, mm-hmm. and then he wants to lay the foundation down for the rest of the history of the mm-hmm. X Men universe and how it plays with uh, with uh, the rest of uh, the MCU. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. I, see, I, that's the, the, an interesting thing, though, because I want to see how far-reaching he kind of goes into the other Marvel properties and into the MCU, because you can see the MCU TV shows and movies starting to connect in a way that they've never connected before. Mm-hmm. There's was some, some small connection, usually, but now you have all these Disney Plus shows coming out that are going to directly affect the Marvel Cinematic Movie Universe, and... I feel like this is a way that he's going to bring X-Men into the MCU. I think that this is a way that can explain that, but it's a it's a it's kind of a tightrope to walk because if you're just a fan of the movies and you have to start reading like X-Men and all this other stuff now to understand like what the heck's going on with this multiverse, what's going on with these timelines, it's it's going to get a little iffy and I wonder how far they're going to extend into that because I almost feel like you look at how things went with when the MCU was rolling out over the last 10 years and how they kind of lowered the role of mutants in the X-Men comic, or in, in the Marvel comic books. Right. The, the mutants were kind of, their role was reduced. And that right. was kind of in response to like the fact that they couldn't use them in the MCU. Right. And now they can. So now they're, it almost well, seems like they're expanding their role to bring them into well, the MCU. Well, it's funny because a little bit of X-Men history, you know, X-Men as a comic book line was never really that popular until the 90s. And That's true. And because of this is why we, we the, the writers were able to uh, be really political, like whether it's from a religious standpoint or societal standpoint, with the comic book because the editors really didn't care what yeah. they did. 
they were like, hey, just like do whatever. So they created characters and storylines and inserted political views and stuff like that in the entire line, which ended up being the reason why it was so popular in the 90s because mm -hmm. now you have um, Generation X, which uh, they, they saw themselves so much in some of these characters. But at the same time, at the same time you have um at the same time you have kind of like the last let's say the MCU era of films and stuff like that where mm -hmm. yeah X-Men has taken a back line but I a, ba a backseat but I think that the reason it took a backseat was also because the X-Men universe was really really kind of it it's it became really convoluted That's and true also. and the and universe right no I'm talking the about comic the comic book line oh, the comic yeah. book universe was just kind of all over the place mm -hmm. and it there was no DC. real way to like <laughs> It became worse than DC, Ooh. and that's saying something. I'm Ooh. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> and, sort and, of. But but, but, you know, <laughs> but you know the thing is that like the thing is that like there was no real way to like wrangle up all these uh, storylines from the last like ten years or so, uh, which nothing super super major happened aside from like you know House of M um, that happened in like the last couple decades, which was a huge you know thing and you know a couple major things that that, that were big but kind of fell flat mm -hmm. you know um so they i think tried. yeah so i mean i think it's awesome that they were able to you know let's just cancel everything out but let's put it all in moira's fourth life you know let's not let's not like at, at least that's the way that i take it so far right um i want to talk a little bit about the art because the art is a little bit different in this one than in the uh um last couple uh, issues in House of X1 and Powers of 10 1. Uh, and the reason I say that is because the panels are a little bit different, you know? Um, with all the different, like, timelines and how they're, you know, they design the panels. I mean, me personally, have I, like, I have a couple panels that I really, really want to talk about that I love. Um, I think it was in the uh, life where Moira decides to uh, partner up with Xavier and and you know when they actually fell in love uh and they start the x-men and everything um in uh in page 17 of uh of of this issue you have a really cool like panel where they show the classic x-men um and then you see the uh the new x-men with like colossus and wolverine and storm and nightcrawler and cyclops then you see the next uh iteration of the x-men until you finally see the sentinels uh kill them uh, but I like that panel a lot. That's one of my favorite panels. And then, um, and then my next favorite panel, which again, like, it's just the panel with uh, Moira uh, looking to assassinate the Trask family. That one's really, really cool. Like her, like just like peering down with the scope. But then in that one panel, you have four other panels mixed in together, where you see like the death of the family and stuff. And I, I really, really enjoy that panel is there any other panels aside? i know that you really enjoyed uh the panel with uh avengers and x-men going down on magneto oh yeah that so. was that was a great panel um that i actually when that first came out that was actually my uh iphone wallpaper for for a bit you it's know a saying? sick because panel man it is it is great it's just you see all and 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 the thing about it is that the way it comes it comes down to a point you know what I'm saying? Like Magneto is is the 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 pin of that point, and you see all of these heroes just falling down, kind of like an arrow shape, you know, right at him and stuff. Um, but there were other, like I said, I loved the 
for that one is beautiful also right the, the next page so apocalypse the, 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 the panel that has um, that panel that we were speaking about with uh, Avengers and X-Men going down on uh, barreling down on Magneto which yeah, yeah looking careful, at it be careful how you just, say that so. <laughs> it's, 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 it's freaking amazing but, um, um, <laughs> wait sorry. say what <laughs> We gotta keep going. Don't worry about it. Yes. No, I want to know. Now. Caught it. I, I want to know. It twice actually. Uh, yeah. You said it this time. I'm barreling Sorry. down. Keep it PG. No. <laughs> going. Keep going. Oh come on. <laughs> We're Jesus we're we're like Christ. big kids over here. We're sorry. Yes, I know. Go ahead. Gutter mind. <laughs> <laughs> he said it. He said it. <laughs> so that one is on page twenty-two, and then immediately following that page is where we see Moira taking the hand of uh, Apocalypse, which is awesome. It's like so. Like I mean, you know, one thing about Apocalypse is that like he presumes to be a god, but he actually kind of walks and talks like he is a god. And I've always liked that mm-hmm. about Apocalypse. You know, he he's 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 walking the walk really. Yeah. So. I actually like page 17 also. Page 17 is, it's more the significance of it. And you, you just passed it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that one's really is, cool. I like this one. Yeah, exactly. Page 17 has, it's Moria's fourth life. And it lists, it shows classic age X-Men. It shows 90s X-Men. It shows the, the decade that's, that should the be forgotten. 2000, the, for, the, for the, the let's forget about them X-Men. Yes. And then that last one where you have the... That's the one that they say through the lost decade. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that last panel where where you have the the Sentinel blasting them. Um, I just like the significance of that, that page right there. Uh, AJ, any panels that like stand out to you? I mean, again, I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the art once again, just scanning through it, man. Like, you know, I, they really went above and beyond because uh, you can see like some of the emotions in Moira's face. Um, all this stuff is, is is really really well done, which I mean I think like was obviously really important because of how important an issue this was. Um, but man, I really really love all the uh, artwork that I have. AJ, what wh- what's what's your favorite panel? So I love the entirety of page twenty four, and this would be a a copalypse, apocalypse, apocalypse, and the the four horsemen. Like they're about to go into battle and they're they're gonna oh, fight that's Nimrod. Right. Yeah. Yes. And again, I'm sorry for bringing it back Nimr- to Nimrod DC. Nimrod the lesser. Nimrod the lesser. Yeah. I hate. I'm sorry. I'm bringing it back to DC. But again, this reminds me a lot of a panel that I saw in Dark Side War. And I completely. Well, no, nobody disagrees that DC may, has good art. Just yeah. terrible stories. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm a Marvel fanboy. So, um, uh, Eli, is there anything that kind of like struck out at you as far as like the 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 the, the art wise and stuff like that? Anything? That you, because you're you're our resident artist. If yeah. you guys don't know, Eli is like our little resident artist. He goes to oh, art school. Yeah. He's doing 3D animation, like, the whole nine. He's he's super sick. I'm like actually cracked uh, when it comes to like art. No lie. <laughs> what does that mean? Huh? Oh, whatever. I don't know. You're so good. About. No, 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 you can't give us some slang and then not int- not not tell me. What. I know I'm old, but dang, what does what does it mean to be cracked? Like good. Like oh. fire means like su- like. So it's a, like I'm cracked in jujitsu. Is that what? Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Like, I'm cracked at Soul Calibur when you're not. Oh. So. Ooh. Ooh. Those are fighting oh words. Street oh, my God. Oh, oh. You really found, Hold a, on. You, you found oh. a way to dig. Get the fire extinguisher. Like, like oh. an hour and a half ago. That's incredible. I actually <laughs> give you some, some props for I that. I give you a little bit of, that's, that's a good little call. Back little that was a cracked burn. <laughs> punk. <laughs> Don't forget that I choke you out on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. Child abuse. Yeah. In jujitsu, they Kidding. signed the waiver. Kidding. I'm allowed to kill them. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. I mean, what did, what did you what did you think of uh, the art in um in, in this issue? Um, there are two places that I really like the art. Um, one you already mentioned. Wh- which one? Um, was the it? part where Moira is um getting burned. Oh uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. The emotion in her face—it's just so. She she seems so angry, and then, uh, kind of like when and one thing that I also liked about this scene was Destiny. Destiny was a very interesting character. Um, Destiny is very interesting because mm-hmm. she's. It's kind of like OP a little bit too, in the same sense as Moira. But I guess she's a precog. When so. you have two OP characters kind of facing off to like kind yeah. of decide where the future of this whole thing is going to go, that makes it a little interesting. Yeah. I mean, Moira is only OP because she's so smart, right? But at the same time, like you get like somebody that doesn't know what to do with their life. I mean, her just going to keep reliving is, and eating McDonald's. For well, it's like, no, it's like AJ said. Her mutant power is a little OP, but I really love what they. You did think with so? Her. I mean, yeah, the the ability to like go through all of your lives and do whatever. Well, let you me want ask you a question. That, like, and right, right, right. That timeline. Yeah, and but that's not that OP, also. right? Because let's let's yeah, think. you know, she can hide herself also. Because again, the only reason well, we don't have, we're not there yet. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to criticize they, it. They already explained you know? that. That they said that. Remember when Destiny was saying? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, have you yeah. have yes, the yes, ability yes, to yes, hide yes. yourself as a mutant. Right, 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 right. Found right, you yeah. because you found the cure. Yes, yes, yes. That's you know true. That's true. That's true. I don't want to. I don't mean to criticize, but in a sense, like this is this is a mind. This, she's like beyond Omega level. No, no, well, not at all. Not at no. all. You don't think so? She's just smart well, with what she's doing. Look, let me ask you this. No, if, I, hold on, hold on. Omega level defined. If we if we gave Butthead the same power, okay. Do you really think that he's gonna like figure out how to save humanity? Maybe. <laughs> but but I think I think well, well, I think Omega level is a little too hard, too big yeah. for her because he'll build she a better talk. Nobody else has this power. No no I and, know. and it's limitless. No no no. She only has a ten lives. Somebody told her that, but we don't know that. Okay, but let's, we don't let's know put, that. Well, she's that's a precog. That's, it's a precog. It's definitely. But the the other thing is that the only really the only real ability that she has is to be able to go back and relive her life. Now, you know, again, that, she can that kind of shape, makes her god, though, man. She can shape the not, entire universe. Not, 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 not at all, really, because you know she's shaping only a particular segment of this this the universe. She's not. She's not. And she creating. can die at birth if she like. I mean, right, like, yeah, you know, it's not like you know, like. So if, if you can say that, you know, she goes back and she can alter reality, then I say absolutely she's Omega. But right now she's she's taking small steps and failing each time. Yeah. So that's and, why and I don't consider her as an Omega level mutant. And also, see, it's you know not about outcomes when you're talking about Omega, because Omega level mutants lose all the time. I don't think it's about the outcome. I think it's about the potential of this power, because this power literally can change the entire comic right, universe, but the thing is including that, the MCU. Like, yes, you're going but, but, into but again, every but again, single iteration. Of but this. again, like it's not it's 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 not the potential of power. It's the potential of her intellect, right? Because it's yeah, you it's know, it's just actions. the fact that she's as smart as she is to use that. 
not her power. Well, I'll I mean? concede this point though, because I don't want to like harp right. on it too much. And you yeah. guys definitely have a point. When it, like when the, it, I mean, there's, there's my, my thing character. is, look, if, if if she really is on life ten, then mm-hmm. that's it. She has no more mutant power. There's, there's another character that's there, David Haller, who is Legion, right? Hey, yeah, that, right. He is an Omega level mutant yes, because yes. he has the ability to reshape, you know, reality yeah. and and stuff. That that to me that's a, a but, but like I said, not to belabor the point. Yeah, you know, let's continue with. Let's this. agree to sort of disagree, right? Because exactly. I kind of agree you know? also, but yeah. I just wanted to make that point. I think, but AJ it's a good point. Kind of it's a good point. It's a, a little point. the same way, right, AJ? Like, so, sort of, but maybe not entirely. So being. Um, being that uh, Eli has is the only person at this table that has not uh, uh, fully read everything, what do you think so far? Like, where do you think that this this is awesome? Actually, where do you think that the, that uh, the um, that the series is gonna go from oh, here? Hold on, there's just one last thing oh, that sure. I want want to mention. Um, there's this one scene where it's like I'm just gonna make this real quick. Um, one scene where it shows like um, the classic X Men and how like. It's it's really good artwork on this panel. Um, what panel? What page is that? We're looking at page 17. 17. Mm-hmm. And it's literally just um, classic X-Men, uh, Cyclops, um, this dude. What's his name? Well, the top panel. That's uh, <laughs> uh, Colossus. We're going to make you freaking read the Colossus, yo. Make you read the last 30 years of X-Men. Well, right. You don't know who Colossus is? He's a I kid, forgot. that's why. Oh, my God. Well, they show God. the original, original X-Men, right? You got Cyclops, Jean Grey, Oh, so Grey, we're back on Beast, page 17. Yeah. And Angel. With that, and, and then that you dude. have the newer X Men, and with Cyclops, <laughs> Storm, uh, Colossus, or I'm sorry, uh. that dude, and Wolverine. <laughs> and then you, well, yeah, you have Eddie. Every iteration of the X Men as they've been rebooted yes. and redone yeah. over the years, which mm-hmm. is a cool panel. I agree. Yeah. Um. <laughs> with that dude. With that dude, yeah. <laughs> All right, so from now on, Colossus is going to be now known as the that, dude. No, the don't dude. do that. <laughs> that. That dude over I there. Actually, like him. So, that dude over there. You know. Um, so yeah, so what do you, where do you think that this is gonna go as far as like the next few issues? Do you have any kind of inclination? What do you think it's gonna happen? What do you think is gonna happen between um, um like now that now that Xavier knows uh everything, essentially everything that Moria's gone through, and we've already seen some of uh of, of what he's doing in the first issue of I think House I might have read ahead. Sorry, no, 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 I know you. You're on powers of 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 ten issue number two, so you are. But where do you think this is gonna like? What kind of implications do you think that this has for the entire future of the X Men? Yeah, like now that you know that she has all these lives, and and do you think that they're gonna around? succeed? Huh? They no way, no. <laughs> Jesus, that's a quick no way. Wow, why don't it's you dark. think they're gonna yeah. succeed? Huh? Why don't, don't you think that they're gonna succeed? You mean First like Xavier and Magneto? You don't think that the team up can like? Can kill it. I have a feeling that uh, it, boy. At Professor X is gonna die. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Magneto. When is he gonna die? Is the question. Huh? Hmm. Um. Which power? Um. Uh, which power of ten? Oh, that's easy. Um. Remember, it's one year, ten years, a hundred years, and a thousand years. It year. seems like in this timeline, though, he's long dead. And you're 100. And year. You're 100. Oh, yeah, I mean. The war. Okay. Um, right. You know what? So no, you, you predict that Xavier is definitely going to die. Huh? Do you think that he's going to die no. like like an early death? 
Huh? Or like a natural death? Like, where do you... You said that you think he's going to die. A horrible death. But like, how? This do you requires think? some thinking, but... A bad death. Off of the top of my head, I'm just going to come up with this like right now. Okay. So it's going to be a quick thing. Um... Could you guys just give me a second? Just give, could you give me a second. Well, I mean, after this, we're gonna go into like reviews oh, okay, of okay. like this first section. So. I think I think uh, Professor X is going to die a not horrible death. He's not gonna be like ripped apart from the insides and like uh, lasered, like doing or something. So it's not gonna be a fatality. Okay. Um, fatality. You know I, I think just, just say it. Go for I it. think that Magneto. The only question that I have is, do you think that, or maybe not Xavier and Magneto, but Xavier is gonna die and the Ascension. <laughs> okay, um, he's gonna die and the Ascension person, that blue guy with the mark on his. Uh, oh, we're not there yet. That's gonna be the next issue. I know, but like, I didn't finish that issue. I know. Well, then, <laughs> you know what? We we're gonna we we're gonna move, move on, on we from on. here, right? So, <laughs> okay. so we'll get to it. Right, right before we finish Powers of X three, I believe. Uh huh. That's when you we're can not ask there me. yet. That's when you can ask me. Okay. All right. So then, after the next uh, segment of, of, of issues, we'll uh, we'll 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 revisit where you think the future of the X-Men's gonna go. So, with that being said, um, that's kind of like that's the uh, very first three issues of this kind of. Um, uh, timeline, even though it's House of X1, Powers of 10-1, and then House of X2. Uh, those three issues combined, because I think that they formulate the first major story arc mm -hmm. of uh, the the this relaunch. Things um, start to move very quickly after this, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do. There's, there's a lot more. Obviously, we've gotten all the setup. We've gotten the world building, yep. right? We've gotten the future world building. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've gotten the major reveal that has the ripple effect for the entire thing. Oh, and speaking of ripple effects, there's one thing. We're talking about data dumps, right? At the very end of the issue, we didn't speak about this, but at the very end of the issue, we have a two-page panel that denotes the many lives of Moira X. Okay, or of Moira 10, rather, which to me is why it's called the powers of 10, because it's the powers of Moira's 10 lives. So we have one, two, three, four, Five, number six is completely missing from here. Seven, eight, nine, and ten. Okay, uh, and it shows uh, an orb with all the lines from left to right. The orb represents the year thirteen of uh, Moira's life, where her mutant manifestation actually takes place. Um, and it's at this point that she can now resurrect after she dies. If she died before the thirteenth uh, year then her powers are not uh, not accessible, which is maybe that's why she doesn't have a life number 11. Maybe she died in life number 11 before she was 13. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, hmm. going to the second panel, it notes all the different events, which is really, really cool. Uh, it's a nice like, picture of, uh, of everything that we just read um, and the different points in our life, different important points in our life. Um, and I believe it even shows her deaths. Now, this is important. In the first, in the first life, she dies. Uh, let's go through the deaths, right? Through like how her life ends. In the first life, she dies in uh, at the age of seventy-four of a uh, congestive heart failure. In the second life, after finding out that she's actually a mutant, she dies in a plane crash. 
their life she dies in a laboratory fire uh which is when uh pyro killed her the fourth life she dies in a sentinel attack the fifth life she is injured in a sentinel attack uh and placed in a coma and then she dies at the genocide at faraway Hmm. Uh, the sixth life again isn't here. Uh, so the seventh life, she dies after discovering a wild master mold facility. In the eighth life, she dies in a failed prison escape. The next life, she um, the apocalypse war begins, and they don't show when she dies. They just show a continuation of arrows that denote, I guess, like a continued life, which is important. Because they don't actually show that she died, and I actually don't think that they even mention that she died in the in, in the book. So, is this a separate timeline? You know, do we have like a whole like uh, back going back in time type of type of thing? Doesn't that one go like kind of far into the future? We don't see her death, but we see the, her in the year one hundred in that timeline. If I'm not mistaken. Yes, right? right. But we still don't see the death. So yeah. then, like, how did how did she live? How is she alive in her tenth life? Then? Yeah. How does she have the information from life number nine and life number ten, if she hasn't died yet? Yeah. If you remember, uh, and we will find out soon enough, because in number ten again. Oh, in her 50th year, she fakes her death. And then at the age of 52 is when House of X actually starts. So that's kind of like the timeline of her entire life uh, so far to this point, as far as like the, you know, the events that had that took place when she died and where we're at right now. Um, again, if we can like kind of go around, do a little bit of a rating. Uh, I'd like to think that like based on like our rating system, we should do. Uh, this is the first time that we're viewing uh, comic books uh, and ongoing comics and stuff like that. Um, I want to propose a 1 to 10 rating where if it's a 1 to 5, you don't need to read it, okay? Mm -hmm. We read it for you, we reviewed it for you, and we tell you that you should not ever read these books or whatever unless you're like a super fan and have to have these books. Like, mm -hmm. for example, if you're like a DC lover, you might like do you know, a one out of five rating and still buy the books. <coughs> or if if we rate it from six to ten, then you most likely should own it and have it or at least borrow from somebody, download it in the app so that you can read it uh, yourself and enjoy it. So um, where do you guys fall on the ratings? Um, okay, so me, I am flat out going to say like... On this first three, just these the first, first three? three? Yeah. Okay, no. just these first three on, so on far. On these first three, I am absolutely going to give it a ten. Absolutely, because like I've I've said to a few people like this is, and I've said a little bit earlier, this is one of the most mind blowing and most interesting reveals that I've seen in almost any form of media. Mm -hmm. Okay, because of the way that it kind of opens up the the Marvel universe, both cinematic and comic book, um, it opens it up it opens it up in a, in a really really interesting and really really great way. Without how do I put this? Like, with, without being too campy, too mm -hmm. cliche, too odd, too weird, okay. with good writing, good art, like, the way that it opens up possibilities throughout all forms of Marvel media, I think, is something that can't be understated. I think that makes this... That's absolutely this, true. Yeah, I think that makes this really amazing. Um, again, I really like the fact that we finally get some idea, like, why the heck Moira has been around the X-Men all this time. Uh, and, I mean, like... 
Yeah, I want to go too. back and I mean, read it depth. again. Yeah. Right? Like, I want to go back and read this again probably multiple times to try to figure out what the heck could happen, what's going on, like, why certain lives are missing, why certain lives don't have, like, the specifics of her death. Right, Like, right, I want right. to go back through that to try to figure out a little bit more about what's going on. Um, and, like, just to, again, to really kind of denote how amazing this reveal was, like, I talked to a few friends about it, and I'm like... Without giving away too much, I'm like, so I did tell them, like, this comic does give you a little bit more insight into why Moira is important in X-Men comics. And they all kind of said the She's same thing. They're the all kind of like... important person in the entire universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the and whole X-Men universe. Exactly. They've all said, like, most of them have all said the same thing as, as I have. Like, yeah, it's true. Like, what the heck is she doing there? Why is yeah. she around? And then, like, all of them have tried to guess, like, what it is that that fits Moira into this universe and what her what her like power is. I didn't say it was a power, but they were all like guessing powers yeah. and like other things. Right. Nobody's even come close. Not even close. Right. So for me, like just the creativity alone is also something that's really, really, really amazing and interesting about this. So like yeah, for me it's a flat out ten. I love uh, these comics so far. Walter, do you want to give us a uh, your rating? Uh I'm there with Jose, but I won't give it a ten. Only because I, I don't give a tens. <laughs> okay. I don't usually either. Yeah. But this is amazing. I, that's I true. I was actually surprised that you gave it a ten because yeah. I, I don't think I know you as the kind of person that gives tens to anything. Yeah. Uh, I, I tend to be. Walt critical. definitely doesn't like to give a ten to. Anything. I don't. I don't like to give tens out because I, I I've yet to see a perfect piece of art. You know what I'm saying? There's always a little something that you can kind of, you know, dig your hooks into and say, okay, there's there's a little plot point here or there's something that doesn't make sense. Um, well, I, I will say this: like, I am allowing a little room in rating it as a ten. I am allowing a little room for like a couple of small issues here and there because, like you said, there's nothing that's going to be right. perfect. It, you know what it is? So just right. the the impact. I do get you. The impact right. is so huge. Yeah. So yeah, go on. So I, I'll, I'll go. I'll go nine point five. Um, and again, it's it's just because I, I don't like to give tens out, but you know, for for everybody that's out there that thinks that comic books is a medium for kids, um, I would like to point them out to this. Martin Scorsese? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would like to point them out to this book because this book is very mature. It's very intelligent in the things that it does. Um, it it's world builds. Yeah, I mean, it it's... world builds. You know, it doesn't pander to, you know, um, any fan service that, that much where there have been certain things that have come out in recent months that do. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, like like Gabe said, like this gives everyone a reason to be every character, right? Exactly. Has a role in this, and and again, that's why I say it's a mature, intelligent title. Um, you know, the story works in in fleshing those characters out and giving them meaning in this universe. Um, I think if you are a comic book person, you definitely have to have to read this book mm -hmm. i think if you're a non-comic book person that is looking to get into comics i think this is it, now i will say this it can be a little jarring and a little bit confusing especially that second issue right the, well the first issue of powers of x yeah um but again if you give it time and you let it you let it flesh out and stuff like that that's when you're going to appreciate the title for what it is. Yeah. yeah. So um, 
I'm I'm when we were reading it, right? <laughs> we were going crazy. Right? Yeah, I mean, I could not wait for the next issue to come exactly. out, and I haven't felt about comics like that in a really long time. Me neither, if ever to be and, honest. And listen, I haven't had the time really to read, and we were discussing this yeah. before. But this was a title that the minute that it came out, we were we were on it, and we were reading yeah. it, you yep. know, and it it was yep. that important. It was it drew you in that much, so. Um, if you ha- yeah, if you haven't read it, please go out and read it. I think it's important, and like Jose said, this may influence the MCU mm-hmm. in ways that we still don't know about. Mm-hmm. I think I this is part of why WandaVision got pushed up, honestly. But I'm correct. Sorry, go ahead. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So I'm going to give it a nine. Okay. I'm not. Someone who generally likes to give a perfect 10, even though sometimes biases will put me as close as (laughs) 9.9. Okay. But Godzilla. (laughs) Supernatural. Well, you know, it's it's actually funny because (laughs) Halo. I I don't like I don't like to I don't like to do this, but I think Witcher is becoming my new Supernatural. Wow. Very nice. Because of but hey, stick to uh, yeah, I know, I know. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> wrong, wrong episode. Witcher episode coming soon. Promise. So, I give it a nine because it's a very enjoyable read. The things that it sets up, there's a lot of potential. The reason why I'm giving it a nine and not a nine point five is because of my little nitpick with this power is very, very far reaching, and to have it only contained to the X Men so far. Is a little like, okay, but there are other stuff out there. But I get at the same time that you don't want to branch out to everything just yet. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, I you think still got to build. You got you to let this simmer. You don't I know, like... but this, this is just a little nitpick of mine. But well, that's okay. that's something else. Can you, can you consider maybe when we go down the road and we've gone through a little bit of how this affects the wider comics universe, like will that maybe change your mind well, as you I, see where like, it goes? I, so, so I do kind of want to stray away a little bit from... I don't want, like, I think that, like, it's better if we're going to judge the comics. We want to judge these comics, just these three. Yeah. And understanding that this is just, like, one part of the arc. Do you feel like, as an as, as the beginning part of the arc, if it's fulfilled so far? I mean, does it it's make It's a super yeah. strong start. Yeah, right? It's a exactly. super strong start. So, like, as far as, like, the other implications, we can deal about, we can talk about, like, the implications uh, after the, we've <laughs> read the series, I think. Mm-hmm. So... Um, but yeah, totally get like where you're coming from. So, uh, Eli, ratings. Remember, you're probably the harshest mm. raider because uh, I, I think I, I think uh, I everything I think, is corny. Eight out of <laughs> yeah, ten. So and eight out of ten. Okay. Well, you know what? There's eight point two out of ten. Oh no no no! no. We're only going fives. Halves. It's 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 half. Eight, That's eight, it. Okay. Eight out of ten. Okay. Cool. We're still super respectable, right? I mean, we're still up uh, up in that uh, that top percentage. Um, any, what, what made you say eight and not nine? Um, well, things that I liked about it. Um, I like their choice of words. Um, the dialogue. How do you mean the that? dialogue? Yeah. Like especially especially with Nimrod the Lesser. I, I've been I've been reading I've been reading uh, a lot of stuff and whenever it's kind of like a troll, right? <laughs> Huh? He kind of trolls people. Yeah, I know he does that. He trolls humanity. He does. And even them rather. I I really like the art too. Like mm-hmm. it's it's lighting like you said, but the thing that I really don't like is Go ahead. It's okay. 
corniness. Oh my god. How I don't is it corny though? I don't think how it's corny. I don't but, think you okay. know what this word means. Yeah, I don't, it, it's all right. <laughs> like, if he thinks okay, it's corny, it's corny. No, no, not corny. Not corny. It's just at some points it can be predictable. What? Oh, there's nothing predictable. I don't believe that what? at all. You cannot that, say more I, of being amusing <laughs> was oh, predictable. No, no. There are some points, only some points. What, like what? Like, I give you room to have your own opinion, but here I don't understand at all. I have to be honest. Like, what, what is so defend, predictable defend about Defend your position line? here. Like, Magneto joining forces with Professor X? That's pretty far out there. I'm not going to Why lie. is that predictable, though? Huh? That's really That's not predictable at there. all because they've, that's they That's predictable. They, they, not at all. That's that's kind of one of the biggest points in X-Men history is the fact that like Magneto has never been able to see eye to eye with Xavier. Oh no, I, I predicted that though. That was predictable for me. I don't know why. Well, that's because I don't know no, much. It's also about, the very first issue. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know much about X-Men, so that's why Okay. It's predictable like Okay. Well, I guess from that yeah. standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, if you don't have like the the if you don't uh, have the history of Charles and and and, and uh, Eric Lencher, uh, Magneto, um, you don't know that like they're friends yeah, and they, they have the, the they want they have essentially the same goals, but how they want to go about the goals are completely opposite each other. Yeah, and you know it's been you know fifty years of uh, what is announced more than 50 years of, of struggle, I mm-hmm. think, at this point, uh, between Magneto and Xavier. So, yeah. I, I think I give that point a little more credence also because most of your experience might be from the movies where they have oh, teamed God, up yeah. many yeah. times. Yeah, that's true, too. In, yeah. bo- in both iterations. Yeah, I guess so. I can, I can see from your perspective. You know? Eli is more of an anime guy. He, I mean, a, a manga guy. You know, you read more manga than you do comics. You do. So. You do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. No, I know. Yes, we do. So his, <laughs> yeah. So like you said, his experience is mostly yeah. the the films and stuff. So right, you know. That's true, and unfortunately, those aren't the best. Again, you're you're in the lost decade. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll so, give you that's a legitimate defense. Okay. So, okay. so, that so, works. so I want to say that it's a nine out of nine out of ten, only because. <laughs> I, I, I like I personally I would want to give it a ten, but the reason I give it a nine out of ten is mainly because of that second that that first uh, powers of ten issue, which is was a little bit difficult to get through. Right. I remember having to reread it like three times the very first time I read it, mm-hmm. just so that I can try to understand it, right? And 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 that's perfectly fine because as a, as a as a fan of comics, I like rereading things anyway, so I can. You know, first time I go around, I want to read the story. Then, and second time, I want to kind of enjoy the artwork more by understanding what the eventuality of the story is going to be, and so on and so forth. But this one, I was reading it just to kind of follow along, and um, I think that for it to be a first issue, I like what they did in the se- where it was very different, showing like the the year one, ten, hundred, and thousand. But I think it could have been done a little bit cleaner. Yeah. Because uh, later on, we'll see that, like, um, it was done to kind of, like, keep this format going for the rest of Powers of Ten. But I don't think it was done as strongly as it, it could have been in the first. It's a for hard the first introduction. Issue. Yeah, it's a hard introduction. Yeah. So, it's a, a, you know, I think they could have been a little bit better uh, building of 
like Nimrod. Like I, I, I don't remember too much of Nimrod from back in the day. Mm-hmm. So he, he's I in Days of Future Past. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, but I haven't read Days of Future Past since in I was a while, teenager. I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and we're talking like twenty years now. Um, okay. So mm-hmm. and the movies never had no. Nimrod. Yeah. So which is, you know. There was no way that we we're going to be able to do that. But yeah, pull that, that, off. that first issue was a little tough. It was a it, little tough. So it, it so makes sense once you get through the titles. But again, right. as a starting point, it is a little difficult so to follow. See, so see, for me, if I were to rate the issues individually, it'd be House of X one a ten, Powers of ten an eight, or even a seven point five. But okay. I'll, I'll I'll stick to an eight, and then the Moira issue. A ten for sure because that reveal is huge and the ramifications of that reveal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is obviously like a big deal for all the X Men comics before it, you know. Um, and but aside from that, it's mainly like the the art in the uh, the books was amazing. Um, one thing that I like to denote about the art is that like it's it's very clean looking and I think it's because of to your point like the things that they do with like some of the color choices. Um, and, and the sceneries is they're keeping it simplistic by sticking to color themes on the page so that it's very easy to see what, you, what you're looking at um, as far as the environment, the characters itself, what's going on and stuff like that. It keeps it looking very, very clean. Um, and I think that's important when you have a story that's like so, I guess, uh, intricate, you know, where like the art needs to be like on par and stuff like that. So, but yeah. Anyway, so I think that's kind of our review of the first three issues in the uh, House of X Powers of Ten series. There is a lot to go through with these comics. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's a little more complicated, though. Like you said, these first couple issues, it's a little harder to unwrap. Right, and then, right. Like, There's it gets a lot a little more, more to linear. deal with. Yeah. Yeah, a little, it's a little yeah. more straightforward. It has things go on once mm-hmm. you understand like the overarching concept. But, yeah, like... Anyway, guys, like that's our uh, our take on the first few episodes of House of X and Powers of Ten. We're gonna get into this in a lot more detail. Uh, we have you know another episode coming up, which is gonna explain a little bit more about what we think about the other comics and how that's gonna affect the Marvel right. Comics universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, but you know, as always, we. Oh, I'm sorry. What, what's no, no, no. I just wanted to like uh, for everybody that's listening out there, if you're reading along with us. Um, uh, the next issues in line, which again, if you're picking up the issues, you have it at the back of the the back cover of the uh, the book. The next three issues, which we're going to be reviewing, are going to be Powers of Ten Two, Powers of Ten Three, and then House of X Three, uh, and that'll be our next episode. Which is where the yeah, the issues kind of jump around in an order that you don't necessarily expect. Exactly. So. Um, oh yeah, and I'd also like to say like screw you, Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> You guys suck and you lost. Um, And I'll be seeing you soon, Lyle Blackwood. I'll be seeing you soon. (laughs) Anyways, uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us in this episode once again. um, It was great discussion about the X-Men comics, the relaunch by Jonathan Hickman. And we can't wait to talk about it a little bit more. We can't wait to see where this goes. But that's all going to be in future episodes over the next couple of years, apparently. Um... As always, guys, thanks for joining us. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Search for us on Google. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram. You can find us pretty much anywhere. Get Geek Podcast, getgeek.com. And signing off, this is Jose. This is Wolfie. 
AJ. This is Walt. Oh, Eli. With a catchphrase? No. <laughs> He's got nothing. He's got nothing. As always, guys, thanks for listening in. Share, rate, subscribe. And as always, stay geeky, my friends. <laughs>